Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. So, many years ago, I was, when we had just started the church in 2006, a few months into it, uh, Brian Orien walked into our office with a gentleman called Claude Nikondeha. At that time, our office was in a basement somewhere, and you had to take off your shoes to enter. The basement was so short. Uh, at that time, uh, Pastor Noah was not yet a member. That, that's the only way it worked. And a few others. I'll not go into the details. And thus began a journey of friendship, mentorship, and just growth. And watching Claude uh, and what you've done in Burundi is amazing. Can you help bring greetings to these people? They, they want to hear your voice. Greetings. Good morning. <laughs> Amahoro. Amahoro. Great. Well, so this is Business Garage. Uh, share the link with your uh, friends, enemies, frenemies, in-laws, outlaws, relatives, anyone you care about because you are about to be blown away by uh, this, what you're going to learn this morning. We've been emphasizing here at Business Garage that it's time for us to move from survival, starting that hustle by the roadside to uh, where your vision is feed my family, FMF to serious stuff and you're looking at someone who is doing serious stuff. So Claude let me start you off at where we are and then maybe we'll go back just give us an idea of what is going on right now in terms of the businesses and organizations you run. Just the different things. Give us a picture of what's happening. Okay, greetings again. So happy, blessed to be here this morning with all of you, whether physically or online. Uh, it's a privilege. Uganda has been a blessing to me. Uh, not so much the country, but the people, okay? Ouch. <laughs> wonderful people, wonderful people. You come on a top as far as Africans are concerned, huh? Business, business is, is good. It's really good, especially considering the last two years. I think um, we, I got really scared in March, April of last year looking at all the families that not only are employed by the, one of the comp some of the companies, but also looking at customers, looking at uh, even the taxes that we pay to the country. You know, we are the you know, top contributors. Um, so, so you get scared that um, the world is shutting down and what's gonna happen to the families, to the business, to the government. And then, uh, but I think what I realized 
it was a time for all of us to wake up. You know, you get used to the routine. Things going well, so you get used to the routine and then you, you fall asleep without even knowing. But then something like that happened, like a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, and it wakes you up, it makes you think, it makes you create, and it makes you realize there was much more capacity in you that you weren't even tapping into. So, so hard times are good because it helps us grow to the next level. Uh, so the business in general is going well. Um, in the portfolio of companies, we have about three, over 350 employees um, on a full time. Just slow down for some of us because we, we are scratching our heads. 350 full-time employees. Mm, that's the portfolio. And part-time? Part-time is uh, close to 500. Close seasonal, to 500. Seasonal, um, mainly uh, farmers. Uh, we, we grow a lot of corn. You call corn or maize? Yeah. So uh, it's a very exciting uh, new adventure. Yeah. Now, let's go one by one because I think we... We want to wrap our heads around it. So let's start with Kazoza, Kazoza mm. uh, Finance. You run, run, run this financial institution. You've been going nine years. Next year, you're celebrating 10 years. Yeah. And as you told us at the breakfast yesterday, you started with $50,000. Uh, your customers, their market got burnt. Yes. And you, were, you came down to nothing. And you had $10,000 left. And you restarted with that $10,000. Mm. So where is Kazoza now? What's the picture like now? So nine years, nine years and a half almost later, uh, we have about 46,000 members, about uh, 10 branches. And um, by the time we get to the next summer, by the time we turn 10, will be at about $10 million. Wow. Wow. 46 customers, 10 branches, $10 million. Now, these branches are real branches. They are not in a, a container. Because I've been there, I've seen the buildings. <laughs> and one of your branches is in the, in the building in Bujumbura, where they measure the distance to any other part of Burundi. You are at, yeah. Zero distance. Like yeah. the way you would be at the post office in Kampala, that's where they measure distance from. Mm. Wow. This is incredible. Yeah, I, used, I used to have fun when we, when we acquired the building and then moved in. I uh, used to have fun. I would ask somebody from a country anywhere, I will say, how many kilometers to your hometown? They would say 100 kilometers. I said, where did you start counting? <laughs> And you say banangi, at Kazoza. So if you're going anywhere in Burundi, you start counting at Kazoza. Hey, this is serious. So 46,000 customers, uh, members, about $10 million. That, that's quite a journey. I mean, tell us a little bit of the journey because it can seem like $10,000 10 million, 46,000, mm. what's that? It's a journey, it's a journey and you have to embrace the journey. Um, I think 
going in, it, it was more concerned about bringing the unbanked into the bank, into the financial system. And back in 2012, from the central bank, only 3% of Burundians had a bank account. So 97%. So when you look at it that way, it's not that difficult. Uh, okay, so, so a lot of them, a lot of the 97% didn't have a bank account because they didn't have the money. They were so poor. Uh, and the other motivation was when I was, uh, before I went back home, I, when I first got my first job in the, in the U.S., I uh, wanted to send money to my dad. So I told him to send me his banking information. <laughs> and then he was like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> I said, you don't have a bank account? And he's like, son, when did I ever had money that I didn't need to go open a bank account? <laughs> so that stayed with me. Wow. Stayed with me because you wonder how do you function if you don't go through banking system? If you are in business or even if you just an employee that getting paid on a salary, etc. So all that was in my head when we started and we went, we went looking for people with bank accounts. You know, we, we looked for people without, without a bank account. And then when you go to, for example, uh, to the market, our favorite um, field, there is two kinds of merchants. One, they have a bank account. They have a, an institution that they already work with. So they understand the value of it and that they are using it. They have been using it. So those ones are not going to come to you. And then there's the other ones who thinks banks and financial institutions are a bunch of thieves. So they just want to get your money. And then there's no third category. <laughs> so you, you, you start thinking, how on earth am I going to survive in this field? And you can relate probably in anything you do. It's hard at first until you, you know, everything is, is sales, right? We are always selling something. So you learn how to motivate, convince those people who think bank accounts are, oh, banks are thieves, you know. So we studied something like, you know, we, we, we learned this from Equity Bank in uh, Kenya. You know, the zero, zero, zero formula where there's no, you know, to open a bank account is free, to hold a bank account is free, to, to make inquiries is free. So you, you wow. show them, you know, we are, we are a new breed and we're not going to charge you anything. So it's like, in, in the way, when I was explaining this to my small staff, when we were going out and coming home empty with no customers and they say, you know, we can't, we can't, we cannot not charge 
fees to open an account, to hold an account, to ask for your statement. We have to charge fees. So I, I told them, think about a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant, do, do you pay to get in? <laughs> you don't. Do you pay to sit down? No, you don't. Do you pay when you just ask for water, like tap water? No. So when do you pay? When you order food and you eat it, then you pay. So I said, that's what we're going to do. We are a restaurant. To come in is free. To sit down is free. To ask for a, your statement is free. Should you choose to ask for a loan? At once. Then you're going to find out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I hope you're learning something here. I hope you know what percentage of the market your particular product hasn't yet reached. The 97%. Whatever it is you're doing. Because most times we're looking at what we do, we're not looking at the available market. And so we do small stuff because we are not thinking about how big the opportunity is. And uh, innovative thinking, zero, 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 and learning from someone else. He said they learned it from Equity Bank. Someone else has done what you're trying to do better than you're doing it now. So there's no point in sweating all over the thing. Just go find the person who has done it. And that's why Business Garage is here, so that you learn quickly and move fast. Now, Claude, this sounds incredible, but someone might miss the heart of it all. It's just about running a bank, serving people, etc. There's some things that have influenced you to make a decision to come back from the US, to go back to Burundi, to start this financial institution. You're not just aiming at a financial institution. You're trying to solve other kinds of problems. And after trying different things, you figured banking was one of the ways that could help you solve those problems for the nation and for the people. Uh, as part of the gospel conviction you have, could you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, so I left Burundi, I, I was 17, went to France to, to school, and then through different events, ended up in the States, and then ended up living there for about 10 years. So came back to Burundi. I was very young, so I didn't know much. I just knew we were the third poorest country on earth. Um, so not very, it's not an attraction to go home. And uh, so, but when I went back, I had an opportunity to meet someone who introduced themselves as a Batwa. Uh, do you call them Batwa here? Yeah. Yeah. And it was the first time in my life that I met somebody, I probably met them before, but somebody who says I'm a Batwa, because in Burundi, it's, you know, they, they are the outcasts, you know, they are not, you're not going to find them in the general public. So and then he, he took me to one of his villages, one of the Batwa villages, and it, it was about 70 families living together. 
And I saw poverty that I have never ever saw before. And I grew up poor. I grew up in a neighborhood called Motakura. Back then, it was the poorest neighborhood in the poorest capital in the poorest country. So I have seen poverty. And next door to our neighborhood, it was the city dump. So this is where we spend the weekend trying to figure out what other people throw away if they can be an income for us. But when I saw this community, it was a hundred times worse. And, um, and I wished I never went there. I wished I never saw it because I couldn't unseen it. So going back to the US in a suburb, in a comfortable setting was very difficult and it became impossible to do. So I started preparing to move back. So that's how I ended up back. And it was initially to see, is there something I can do for the Batwa? And I started working with them on some human rights issues, things, small things like land rights, ID cards, birth certificates, marriage certificates, one of the first actions I did was to have a mega wedding for 400 couples. Wow! So I had, I had to convince the governor of the area, the mayor, everybody to come to a big room and marry these, these wonderful men and women. And, and, but I couldn't find a pastor who would do it. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mose. <laughs> Uh, you didn't call me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And uh, because, you know, this, they were already living together. They had kids and, you know, but they weren't recognized anywhere as individual, as human beings or as a couple. So we had to do something, but I understand didn't fit quite well with the church. Um, but my preoccupation at that time was the government to recognize them. So, as I did that, I start saying that poverty was all over the place. They, we have about 12 universities in Burundi, and every year they graduate over a thousand young men and women. Each. Each. And, and then it takes, a, it takes about 10 years for any one of them to get a job. So I thought this was even worse. So my heart becomes, my, my, my vision becomes, how do we create jobs for these young men and women? So they get off the street, so they, they get involved. They, they become good citizens, good pro productive citizens, etc. So I couldn't come up with any idea. Now, I was thinking, how do I come up with an idea that creates a thousand jobs, 10,000 jobs? I couldn't. But I thought, but I kept meeting other people with those great ideas, but who are struggling with capital, finances. So I said, let's start an institution that will do three things. One, 
we'll do the retail banking, just the normal retail banking like most of you do on a daily basis. And two, we'll do an investment fund. We raise some money because especially startups, they don't need loans, they need investments. And then three, we'll do financial planning, helping people save, helping people think about the future of their kids, helping people buy homes, buy assets, so that they are, their finances can grow. So that's what we call Kazoza Financial Group, it's those three entities that we started. And the idea is that identify men and women with ideas, if we go behind those ideas, they can raise, they can employ the most people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And now at 46,000 customers, do you have an idea about how many jobs you've created uh, as a result through those? Yeah, the numbers of September, end of September this year was 380,000. 380,000 jobs created. Yeah. My goodness, 380,000 jobs. Anyway, so let's move on and talk about Burundi Fortified Foods. So start us off with the story again. What inspires this? Because it looks like all of the things you're doing at such a huge scale, it starts, it's always started with the Batwa. It's like you went to try and see how you could help them, but they became a gift to everyone else because as you're helping them, you have seen problems and then you have found solutions that help more than just the Batwa that are helping the whole nation. Yeah. So the, the community I was telling you about, the first community I visited, about 70 families, we secured a, a larger piece of land from the government and then moved them there and then a lot more came because now there was space. But about, about how many families are there now? Right now, it's about 1,200 families. About 1,200 families yeah. in, in Bobanza. In Bobanza. It's like a, a small city, you know, when you look at it from a distance. Yeah. All the homes and... and I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible to see yeah. a, a whole, like, yeah. And with Hillside. A school, yeah. With a school, a yeah. hospital. Yeah. Uh, agriculture initiatives, yeah. water supply, all of that. So when we started, when they moved there, I would go there twice a week. And every time I'll go there, I'll see there will be a funeral, there will be a burial, there will be these little coffins of, of babies and children under five dying. Back then in 2012, 2013, about six kids out of 10 died before they turned five. I want you to take note of that. 2012, 2013, in that community, the infant mortality rate was that high. Six out of 10 children died before they turned five. So every week when you went to, to visit them, there was a funeral. Twice a week. Twice a week. There was a funeral every time you every went. Time. And, um, and you know, every now and again, you'll be a mother, died giving birth. So it just was a very 
heartbreaking situation. You know, um, you, you can't start thinking about development, uh, about anything, if the community is mourning all the time. Mm. So, so we did some research and, and realized that um, the nine months that a mother is pregnant and the first, the first six months of a baby, they are very critical. Most of their development happened in those 1,000 days. And when you look at the nutrition, what the mother gets while she's pregnant, if you would eat that, you lose probably 20 pounds in one month. Wow. And the work and the heat, this place, Bubanza, is like the desert. You know, we have planted over 100,000 trees, but back then, there was, there was nothing. It was very dry, very... Every time you go there back then, you feel like you're closer to the sun because it's so strong on your head. So we, we, we created a formula using flowers mixed to give them some nutrition. So we created a formula for the mother and a formula for the baby. So the mother will consume that as soon as they know they're pregnant. And then they will come to our monthly meeting to, um, to, to help them um, take care of the baby inside them. And then, uh, and then the other formula was to help the kid from the time they, are, they stop uh, the breastfeeding from six months on to, to the time they are two years old. So we did that from 2013. By the time we come to 2015, we went from 60% child mortality to zero. Wow. Wow. That's 2018. Huh? What year? 15. 2015. From 6 out of 10 children dying before age 5 to 0. Feeding. I, I hope someone here is starting to think like a Christian. You're starting to think that it's not about you and your little 50 by 100 plot in Chitukutwe and being stuck in traffic all your life, going to work and coming from work, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. And then someone else, you're thinking, I want to make a difference, but when you think about making a difference, the only thing you think about is starting an NGO. Now you're seeing someone who is able to combine the profit side and the non-profit side to make a huge difference. So anyway, so you find that out, what happens next? What happens next is to realize that uh, we have the same issue all over the country. Yeah. Babies are dying everywhere because of malnutrition. Again, connected directly with poverty. But I realized that we didn't have the capacity to, to feed more than this community. So we needed to think, um, we needed to think how do we turn this into a business? that will create profit so we can feed more people. Yeah. So in 2018, so that took time to, to plan, to think, to research about you know, how to 
produce what to produce. I mean, it takes. It took us a year to create just two pro, two uh, products. Two products that we can sell in the city in a supermarket. So in 2018, towards the end, we finally opened the Burundi Fortified Foods, which is a factory. We have about 21 machines. I think you visited. Huh? Yeah. And um, so fast forward, the, the business model is if we, for every production we make, so if we produce 10 tons of porridge, fortified porridge, then we give five, five tons for free. For free. Wow. So today, today with every morning, we, f we feed 50,000 kids for free. Hey! Every day, every morning, you feed 50,000 children for free. And that's the video that you saw is the process. Yeah. You know, what it takes from the field to the mouth. Yeah. Wow. 50,000 children every day, free. I'm trying to get saved. Okay. So, and so you're able to do that sustainably because you are putting enough product on the market to give you enough profit to cover what you're giving to the 50,000. Exactly. Both our expenses, our and production costs. Production costs, and then part of the profit is to do that. Wow. Wow. Come on, people. <laughs> Some people are not clapping, and they, they are not even feeding five. It's ridiculous. Oh, you're overwhelmed by the numbers. And you say that right now how much how much first of all when you say fortified foods most people don't understand what we're talking about so first tell us a little bit what is fortified porridge and why is it important so so there is for for somebody who is uh, who has been malnourished a mother a, ch a child it, there is uh, they need a lot they need a lot of vitamins and minerals in their system to function like a normal person. Uh, so, a, a baby, so for somebody to, to, to use their full capacity as far as brain is concerned, there is an, a, uh, an amount of nutrition they need while they are in the stomach and while they are out the first two years. By the time they turn two, their brain development have happened at 60%. So if you take just the corn and soybean and, and you mix it, you don't have enough. Yeah. So you need to supplement, to supplement it. You need to, that's the fortification. So we, we had to take in the lab and see what we have and what we're lacking and then add to it. So you do a study, there is a study that was done by World Food Program in every province of Burundi. And they are looking at what the local people eat on a daily basis and then see what's lacking and that's what we put in our fortification. Wow. So what are some of the things you put? Oh, is it a secret? It's a vit yeah. Vitamins. Vitamins. And minerals. Yeah. And yeah. all of that. Wow. And how much 
product are you producing currently, every so, day? Yeah, now we are at, at, um, at 10 tons every 24 hours. So, but day and night. <laughs> For those who struggle with numbers, that's 10,000 kilograms every 24 hours. Also the equivalent of a thousand, is it a hundred bags every 24 hours. Wow. Where do you get the corn to produce 10 tons every 24 hours? So we, we have our own field. We have about a hundred hectares. A hundred hectares. And then uh, that's about 280 acres. Most people here have never seen any piece of land. beyond two acres, so <laughs> when we talk about 280 acres, their, their, their brains are, are getting, you know, the gray matter is turning blue. But there is, a, there is a cooperatives all over the country called Sangwe, um, so we have contracted some of them to, uh, to grow corn for us, and, then, wow. and we buy what they produce. And how many people work on your 100? 400, 400 men, yeah. 400 men work on yeah. the farm alone. On the farm. It's like a little refugee camp when you go there. It's all these tents. Because they, we brought them from a different province, um, a province uh, from uh, near Tanzania, where they don't have much land to farm on, so they come there to work. Yeah. But their family stays... Um, in their village. Wow. Can you believe our time is running up? What? Our time is running out. We have some questions from the people online. Let me see. Uh, the people online are asking. Hey, no, some of these questions, I'm not going to ask them. How do you manage, so that, so we've just focused on only probably Kazoza Finance, Burundi Fortified Foods. Just give us a quick overview, communities of hope, the work with the Batwa, where is that now, how is that going? Uh, so that's, that's, the, that's where everything comes from, really. Yeah. It's, uh, it's where you realize what you need to be focusing on, what you need to be doing. So in Communities of Hope, we, do, we focus on food security. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of capacity building yeah. in agriculture. How do you become, how do you secure food for a community? What do you need? How, how much land you need? How much production you need? And then education. For the kids, it's so important, so we focus on that. And then health uh, for the entire uh, family, we focus on that. And then uh, trade school, uh, learning skills for young adults so that they can actually 
start working right away and being um, productive. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 and then human rights, you know, always that component is there f to help, especially since we're working with the most vulnerable people. Yeah. So there's always uh, something to do there. Yesterday we saw a video, one of the people that has gone through uh, your system is now a minister in the cabinet. Yeah, Emel Sabushimiki, honorable Emel Sabushimiki. Now we have to add that, honorable. She's always been honorable to me. Um, yeah, wow. so she is, um, she's, she has three, three uh, ministry under her portfolio, which is uh, human rights, solidarity, and gender. Uh, so she is uh, amazing, and she is doing an amazing job. The first Batwa to be a minister, to be appointed directly by the President of the Republic. And uh, it's, a, it's a huge blessing for them, for the country, for, um, yeah, for us all. Wow. Now this question is about Kazoza. How are you able to manage your credit risk? Have you had customers that have not honored their loan obligations? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, banking is all about measuring risk, uh, minimizing it, keeping it at 5% or less, but, you know, there will always be customers that uh, don't pay back because they did you know, and, and, and as you grow, as you, now we are 10 years into, the, into this adventure, so we are getting good at measuring the risk, so our, our uh, unpaid loans are, going, are being smaller and smaller. Yeah. But yes. Wow. This is the last question from online, then I'll ask a couple more questions. This one is asking, with the scarcity of soy being in the region, how do you manage to get all that soy? Since in East Africa, it says Uganda is the biggest producer, followed by Kenya. Well, Tanzania has some as well. So, like for the soybean, you reduce, you reduce the percentage yeah. in the formula, and you replace it with uh, the vitamins. Okay. Uh, so so it's, it's like 80% corn. Everything else have a small percentage. Wow. What else is going on with you and business? We've talked about Communities of Hope, we've talked about Kazoza, we've talked about Brondi Fortified Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the new adventure I'm looking at is housing. You know, the whole issue of housing, having all these young men and women coming to the city. You know, once they graduate from university, they don't want to go back to the village. Um, they want to stay in the city, that's where the jobs are, etc. But then housing becomes an issue. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you are unemployed or half unemployed, how do you get a place to, to live? Yeah. So that's the next big question. Um, how do we build housing for for, for that class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have, we are early in this, uh, in this stage, we have now gone to the place where we have bought plots, you know, in the cities, on the outskirts. About the how big? Uh, you count here any acres. So, so the first one in Bujumbura is two hectares. Two hectares. So that's what? About six acres. Yeah, and in Gitega is four. Four hectares. Four hectares, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. 
Land in Burundi is, hasn't been that exp as expensive as here. I hear Kampala is crazy. It, it's still okay. Uh, <laughs> and then you're into TV and radio. What, what's the motivation? So the motivation was um, when we got the new president, uh, um, one of the things he did, he, did uh, he wanted to know how many unemployed youth are in the city right now. So they, so they did this. Everybody was res uh, registering themselves. And I think for the young people, they thought the government's going to give them a job. But that wasn't the case. Thousands and thousands and thousands, even, even the ones who, didn't, who had a job but no contract or not a full-time, they all came. And uh, so I came up with an idea. It's like, how do we train? Uh, the program that we created is called Be Your Own Boss. Hire you. So that's how the, the program started. Because mm. we were not going to get a place to train these people. How do I, be, how do I hire me? Don't, don't, nobody's going to hire you. The only person who can hire you is, is you. you. <laughs> oh, God. So, so we started with this morning, uh, morning show in one hour of be your own boss. Let's stand up and work. Start looking at your community, your, your street. What is the one thing that you, you look for and you can't find? Is it a haircut, like a saloon? Is it this, is this, that? That's where you start. Yeah. So, so you decided to have your own radio and TV to do that? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, so we do it, we do it under, it's called Kazoza Radio and TV. So it's, it's under Kazoza, it's linked, be your own boss, get started, and then come see us at, at the branch near you. <laughs> wow. We could go on for hours and hours and hours. Ladies and gentlemen, help me make again welcome Claude. Uh, what an amazing story, inspiration, wisdom, amazing. Please sit down briefly. And for those of you who are joining us online or if you're watching us from any of your, uh, you're watching us at home, you're watching us in a taxi, in a car, at one of our locations, at one of our hosting centers, thank you for joining us this morning. Again, as you heard the story, all of this is influenced by faith. Faith in Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, all you think about is you. And even sometimes when you have Jesus, you can be tempted to be all you think about is you. But we can learn from this that when we embrace God, when we embrace Christ, then we start thinking about others. Jesus said that if you keep your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the Gospels, you will have it. And I think Claude is a living example of a person who puts down their life for the sake of the Gospel and for the sake of other people. And then you have it because I've been to Claude's house and his home and Burundi with him 
He's, he's not living a sad life. His life is on the move the whole time. It's like God has taken what he has done and given him back life and meaning and significance. And if you're there and you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the best day to do that. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just stop for a moment. And even if you're in the room, if you're here, someone dragged you here, they told you there's business garage, you're going to meet billionaires, and you're realizing it starts with, who does it start with? Jesus. Please, wherever you are, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer of faith, and then I'm going to invite you to reach out to us through the numbers that will be running on your screens so that we can contact you and encourage you in your new journey. Amen. So just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me this opportunity today to give my life to you. I give you my life. Take it and do something significant with it. Amen. If you prayed that prayer of faith, of confession, I believe you've started a journey with Jesus. There's a number on your screen. If you're on radio, it's 0775 There's a pastor on the other end of that line. Please call or text. Call or text. We would like to know that you've started this journey. And we'll be glad to walk it with you. As I thank so much for joining us, those in the room, we have business lounge right behind me. We are going to go there and uh, for a few minutes have a cup of coffee, meet someone, uh, seal a deal, do the, you know the real thing. Amen. At nine o'clock, our main, our next garage will be starting. It's not business garage; it is going to be our encounter garage. So nine a.m. online and here in the room and at all our locations. That's what's going to be happening. So God bless you so much. See you next Sunday, 7.30 a.m. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.